Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I would like to start by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land on which this podcast has been created, the Gadigal and Bidjigal people of the Eora Nation. I pay my respects to elders, past and present. Hi, I'm Ash London, reformed radio host and new mum. I'm knee deep in this whole parenthood thing and every day I find myself with more questions than I had the day before. If you're like me and want to be a parent or are a parent, but also want to keep your own dreams and interests alive, then this podcast is for you. We'll speak to famous parents, experts, mates, and strangers off the internet as we figure out how to keep living our best lives, even when it feels like we have no idea what the hell we're doing. Welcome to New Mum Who Dis. Hello, my darlings. First of all, sorry. Um, for the break in between podcasts, as you may be able to hear, I have been sicky, sicky um, with the flu. Buddy made me sick uh, right as we are packing up our house to move into state. So that has been not very fun. But I am very excited to finally get this chat out into the universe because I loved this person's perspective and humor, storytelling experience so much. I'm talking about CEO and mum, Kira Rumble. Now, as an entrepreneur, she founded two very successful brands, Crumbled Foods and Habitual Beauty, both focusing on nutrition and wellness. As a mum, she endured six miscarriages, an ectopic pregnancy, and was finally diagnosed with endometriosis and a genetic blood clotting condition before embarking on an IVF journey to welcome her gorgeous son, Hunter, into the world. Now, when I say gorgeous, he is insanely cute. One thing I love about this chat is that Kira and I have such different experiences of both getting pregnant and having our boys, but we managed to find so much common ground. Kira is an incredibly impressive human, and I loved hearing her perspective on things. Let's get into it. I've just been looking at, I can't handle how cute your kid is. Oh my God, isn't he the best? <laughs> like... And I wouldn't lie, I would just not mention it if he wasn't, like, freakishly cute. But, like, it's, it's a little, and the hair, I think it's a lot of it is, like, babies with hair. Oh, 100%. It's got to be the hair. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Was he born with hair? Um, Yeah, he was born with so much hair, like, literally mid-pushing. My midwife's like, oh, my gosh, feel his hair. And I grab my hand, puts it at me, and I'm like, okay. <laughs> okay. That was the first question because I ended up having to have a C-section and the first question I asked when I knew I could feel that he'd been kind of yoked out of me was, does he have hair? Because I just was desperate for a baby with hair. I mean, I've got the most hair in the world and my husband's got the most hair and he had a bit. A bit. But even still, and my husband's got curlier hair than me, even still I'm like every day like, where are the curls? There's a little bit of curl but I – scientifically surely yeah. you should have a fro I'm like, how old is he now he is turned a one year old at the end of september so he's like 11 months old or something which i what the heck you will cry i 
bawled my eyes out the night before he turned one. So like a month ago, I was so emotional. I think that'll be me because it's like one is not a baby anymore. Already is not a baby. No, I have to say toddler. Which is I'm not ready for. He's my baby. I know. I still call him baby. I still use the excuse. Oh, sorry. I've got a baby at home. I can't make that meeting oh, at totally. o'clock. <laughs> and then people say, oh, how old is he? And you're like, he's 24 but it's okay (laughs) (laughs) oh it's the greatest thing in the world um well welcome Kira to the podcast hello thank you for making time how's your day going so far I know good it's always a lot but you're doing okay you're surviving the day so far yeah I had um surgery last Saturday so last week was a total write-off so now I'm just catching playing catch-up that's the thing, though, when you're a mother or a businesswoman and both it's doubled, is that if you take time off, you don't then just like it doesn't, nothing happens without you. So you come back and it's it's double time. Yeah, yeah, yep. Nonstop <laughs> McGee. So first of all, for anyone that doesn't know, tell us about the little human that made you a mum last year. Oh, so Hunter, my love of my life, he's 13 months old and yeah, he was conceived through IVF. He was a little rainbow baby. We had six losses before him. So, you know, I think I've been pretty much emotional every single day of his life. (laughs) It's just, he's such a special boy to me and just makes me so happy. Yeah. I'm incredibly lucky to have not experienced pregnancy loss and to have gotten pregnant with Buddy quite easily and I still look at him every day and I and I, I cry with gratitude. Yeah. So I cannot imagine and that photo which I will cry even thinking about of you in the hospital holding him for the first time and you look so happy and you can see the tears on your face. Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine can you even remember the the moment you saw him for the first time? Uh, it was actually a really interesting moment. I didn't feel what I was expecting to feel, that instant connection, which I was so shocked about. I mean, I, you know, had been desperate for this baby for three and a half years and I was so excited, but I think it was very much a coping mechanism. I mean, I wouldn't really call him by his name until he was about two weeks old. I kept on referring to him as the baby. He was, you know, he wasn't breathing when he came out because he was a preemie baby and it was just very much a coping mechanism. But, I mean, that soon changed after a few days. I mean, he was in special care, so I didn't have him with me at all times. And, you know, it's really hard to connect with a baby when you see them on all of these cords, you know, in an incubator. So until the moment where I actually was able to take him back to my room and then we were discharged, that was the moment that I was like, oh, my God, okay, he's mine. I get to keep him. I get to take him away from this hospital and keep him forever. Did you feel like there was support in the hospital for those moments where you were struggling to bond or full of fear or was it very much the support was more around kind of keeping him healthy and getting him where he needed to be. You know, I was actually thinking about this last night because my friend and I were speaking about our experiences with lactation consultants in the hospital. And I remember sitting, so he was tube fed. I didn't get that golden hour with him or the boob crawl that I was really desperate for. And so he was tube fed through his nose and then through his mouth. It's on my colostrum and I didn't really get to put him 
on my breast until 24 hours after birth. Wow. And I struggled and I had this lactation consultant come up to me going, oh, you need a shield, you've got flat nipples. And I'm there vulnerable with my baby who I saw be resuscitated. <laughs> and I'm like, huh? And I looked at my partner and I'm like, what? Do I have flat nipples? <laughs> What's wrong with my nipples? And um, Why didn't you tell me I have flat I nipples? Why didn't you tell me? Oh, my like, nipples are fine. There's nothing wrong with you. <laughs> but it was just this instant here's a nipple shield and then kind of like taught me one position and said, you'll probably have troubles breastfeeding. So instantly I had never even thought about training, you know, not training, but educating myself about the struggles of breastfeeding, which I found so, so challenging. Um, and she gave me this nipple shield and kind of walked away. And I felt like I was very much missed in the system because I birthed in COVID. It was so busy on the ward that they were actually overspilling into another level. I would go and spend my day in special care. And so there was like, I think the first day I didn't eat anything because I was literally just by his side and I just didn't think about eating. And I came back at eight o'clock because the special care nurses were like, you need to go rest. So I think that I was kind of missed in the system where the, nurse, the midwives on the and the nurses on the ward didn't really know I was in special care and special care thought they were looking after me and, you know, everyone's attention was on Hunter. And so it was very interesting. I felt like I just wasn't given that nurture, nurturing that I thought I would get. I mean, I even, I remember my milk came in really quickly and I was spilling out milk and because he was preemie, my waters broke at 4am. We rushed down to the hospital because I was a high risk pregnancy I didn't have time to pack my hospital bag properly. And so I left my breast pads. And I remember I asked this midwife, I'm like, oh, do you have breast pads that I can have? She turned around going, no, most people remember to pack their breast pads. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm like, well, I'm sorry that my life has been turned upside down this week. And I thought my baby might die. So sorry that I, oh, that makes me want to punch somebody. And we get it. They're busy and all. Like, we get it. We love midwives, we love nurses, but we over and over again those throwaway comments that on the wrong day, in the wrong moment, can be like a knife into your heart. Yeah. But then on the other hand, I mean, they saved my baby. My baby came home with me much earlier than we thought. I learned how to swaddle. We learned how to wash him. And, you know, it wasn't a bad experience, but it wasn't a great experience. So I think now going into a second pregnancy when I fall pregnant, well, not my second pregnancy because I have been pregnant so many other times, but, you know, my second birth, I think I'll be very much more able to articulate and be firm with what I sort of want and what I don't want. Whereas I was kind of like, let's go. I've got no idea about this. So yeah, yeah. interesting. But I think a lot of women, and I speak to so many women through this podcast and get so many DMs and emails about so many different experiences and it's interesting that I think even women that have straightforward, like low risk, healthy births and don't require intervention and all that, they still feel like so much autonomy is taken away from them when it's the first and you don't know what you're doing. So you just give in all the power to your caregivers who are doing their best and doing a great job. But even I, I look back and I go, oh my gosh, it's just so much I'm going to do differently next time yep. and I'll have the guts to pull my hand up and say this isn't good enough or yep. I actually need more support. Yeah. It's, I mean, not just in the hospital, I think, you know, 
I'll do everything differently. <laughs> I think yeah. back and I'm like, why was I, what was I doing? Why yeah. didn't I say something? Yeah. But it's been drummed into us, right? That you don't know anything because you've never done it before. So just listen and do as you're told. Yeah. And look, that midwife or the lactation consultant that told me that I had flat nipples, I did. But now I don't. And I'm 13 months breastfeeding. It was three months of absolute hell. <laughs> but they ain't flat anymore. <laughs> so, you know, it's about educating people going, look, these might be, it might be a bit challenging over the next month. And, you know, if you want to do combination feeding, don't, you know, it just educating and doing that sort of gentle talk. Whereas that, you know, she was going, you could tell she was busy and, you know, didn't even look really at my nipples, just gave me a generic nipple shield. And it was just very much like she was trying to do the best that she could do. But that moment impacted me so much. So, yeah, it's just those little little moments. And it is amazing how, like, I've got massive boobs. Before I got pregnant, massive. When I was pregnant, I couldn't even see past them. Yet, small nipples, which I didn't know until I... Honestly, why don't these partners tell us? <laughs> Seriously. I'm like, maybe they just don't see enough boobs to have a frame of reference. But, like, the midwife was like, oh, you've got small... I don't know. I would have... There would have been hell to pay, though, if he had said, hey, <laughs> so your true. nipples are flat. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> the fights I have had with Mark, we never fought. And it's not even fights, but, like, the weird disagreements or, like, me being tired emotional fights that we've had are laughable now when I think back on it. And I'm like, the things we have argued about over the last, you know, 10 months of Buddy's life and the nine months of pregnancy is ridiculous. But when you were in that hospital and um, your partner was obviously there with you, what? how did that dynamic change and how quickly did it change when you're very much kind of out of action and emotional and you've got flat nipples and you're trying to breastfeed and and you kind of, uh, yeah, I think for us it changed very quickly. What was it like for you? So we own the business, own our businesses together. We're with each other 24-7. It was mm. so funny. My waters broke. We were not expecting it. 4 a.m. rushing down to the hospital and we get there and my labouring completely stalled. But because of COVID, couldn't go home. And because I was a high-risk pregnancy, couldn't go home. And so we decided to do some emails. Do <laughs> <laughs> all the work, let everyone know. And so, you know, nothing's going to change <laughs> with that. I mean, we were sitting in special care, pumping out emails and trying to, you know, give me that time and that rest. But just watching the transition from, I instinctively know quite a lot to, of what to do with Hunter. It's just, you know, mm. I don't know, that mother's instinct. Totally. But it was just really interesting just to watch his sort of transition into parenthood. And now that Hunter is, you know, walking and, you know, talking and he's his little dude, it's just been an incredible sort of process to watch this incredible bond between them but yeah I mean we butt heads all the time <laughs> not just about <laughs> Hunter but just the irrational anger that you have when you're pregnant that pregnancy rage mm, is next gosh. level isn't it <laughs> totally and you go from zero to 100 in one second and then you get angry at them for not understanding straight away how you feel or asking one dumb question about what they can do they should already know it's absolutely insane mother's day is around the corner find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from blue nile from timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones blue nile has something she'll adore 
Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I would imagine that, I mean, when you work together and you've got a successful kind of umbrella company with multiple brands under it, even when you don't work together, making the decision as a CEO to step into motherhood is a huge deal. When you know that you and your partner are working on the same thing and it's not like one person can take their maternity leave and the other person can kind of step it up. Well, it, it's completely different. And I would imagine that logistically there would have had to be some, some discussions, some organising, some what the hell is this actually yeah. going to look like? Yeah. So yeah. what did that look like, that kind of process? Not my ideal situation, to be completely open and honest. Um Hunter came four weeks early. I had a business to launch. I launched the business six days after he was born. It was a lot. I didn't get maternity leave. I didn't get to, you know, have those slow moments. I definitely was operating at a much slower pace. And it was interesting. My brain really didn't start thinking about work properly until about four to five weeks postpartum is I always find that I think about work in the shower and I was noticing I wasn't thinking about work in the shower. And then all of a sudden, it was all of a sudden thinking about emails, thinking about people I had to get back to. And it was like my brain was so wired to just survival mode. And I mean, you know, I just had to do it as the best as I could, you know. Next baby, I definitely want to have a little bit more time. But I mean, we're just about to go into IVF and I'm just about to launch another business. So I just don't. I said, maybe you haven't learned a lesson. <laughs> so I've, yeah, it's interesting. It's, I see it as a really positive aspect to have, you know, one person still in the business that can come home and talk about it, you know. So those times where I am at home working from home with a newborn, you know, he can come home and fill me in and keep me updated. So I see it as a plus and a positive. Also don't switch off. So that's one of the things that I'm trying to be really conscious about is, you know, we've got an incredible nanny who has literally been, a lifeline to us and I'm really fortunate that I can work from home at the moment we're just about to move into an office though so that's going to change but I mean I get to go see him whenever I want I mean he heard his little lip before and he started crying and I went no. down and a big cuddle and you know having that that flexibility has been incredible and having Sam our nanny has just been so pivotal for me to actually do what I do and I do it really well and you know I really am thankful that I've got that support Did you ever get scared? Because I certainly worried, which is a weird worry to have. But because I've always been so career focused and I had a radio show, which I decided to step away from when I had Buddy, part of me was actually scared that I would enjoy motherhood so much they wouldn't want to go back to my career. And for most people, I mean, for a lot of people, that's fine. A lot of people are different, but I just didn't know what I was going to be like because I'd never been a mum before. And I didn't know if I was going to meet him and be like, great, I love him, can't wait to get back to work. Or if I was going to meet him and be like, oh, fuck everything else, I'm just going to do this. Was there any part of you that was worried in that sense or did you know that you were always going to have your time and then want to get back into it? It's a really good question. And there are some days where I'm like, fuck this, let's not do any work, let's just be a mum. And there are other days that I'm like, oh, my God, I just need to get all this work done. I'm so excited, let's get going. 
I don't think I've ever sort of been fearful of juggling them both, but I definitely have my moments of mum guilt, especially in the first few months. I mean, having a nanny, you know, it's it's hard to be able to put the parenting onto someone else that, you know, I really struggled with that but he has the most incredible bond with her and they have so much fun. I was listening to them the other day and they were feeding his toy dinosaurs fake cucumbers and salads for like an hour. Oh, my gosh. Anyone <laughs> like, that could keep my son interested in one activity for an hour, come and live with us, babe. It was so cute. And so I've really, you know, I it takes the emotional struggle that I used to have and I put it into I had to put it into a different perspective about you know this it's not just me that needs to raise this child it's you know everyone in the same with early education centers and all of that it's it was really hard but that's a huge thing Kira because we know that cognitively but then I think in act, like actually living it out and having to bye honey mummy's going to work now and I know you're happy and safe and I know that this nanny is part of our family and this is a great thing. And, but yeah. Yeah. And I have to remind myself all the time, but yeah, just, you know, trying to be more present with him. I find, you know, she leaves at five, put my phone down, put my emails down until he goes to bed. It's all him. And then in the morning and then on the weekends, obviously, unless it's at like four thirty. And then <laughs> No. Yeah. My husband's just gone to Melbourne for work. And last night was his first night away from Bunny ever. And, oh, my gosh, he was up at kind of 5 a.m. And I was like, what? How? It's like, you know dad's away and yeah. I'm the only one that's going to. Yeah. We're so lucky. Yeah. So it was a very intentional process um, for you becoming a mother. Like you said, six miscarriages, six losses is, I can't imagine. And then the process of IVF is, I've never experienced it, but a lot of friends have, and it's not a walk in the park. I mean, I hate using the word juggle, but business didn't stop and life didn't stop just because you were trying to get pregnant. So did you have moments where you had to face up to work, face up to meetings, whatever it was, and slap a smile on your face when it felt like your kind of personal life was was falling apart or were you able to have time away? I took a good week off during that two-week window after transfer. I really lent into the IVF process. I think after such a horrific two and a half years, I kind of was excited to hand over control to someone else, which was really interesting. Yeah, I mean, I was so over, you know. I mean, I was, I got finally diagnosed with the genetic blood clotting condition after two and a half years of me going to, you know, three IVF specialists and, you know, having all of these multiple miscarriages and I got diagnosed with endo and it was very much, I had to do the advocating for myself. I had to do the digging. I finally got diagnosed. I then went on medication. I then had another loss. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to do IVF. And, you know, everyone kept on saying, oh, you know, IVF, IVF. And it was just something that switched going, I'm so over having this emotional burden of, trying to get myself pregnant that I need to actually pay someone to do it for me. And yeah, I, I mean, I was incredibly fortunate that our first round was a positive round. And then we had a, you know, a few hurdles. I got um, hyperstimulation with my ovaries. 
I didn't get as many eggs as sort of I anticipated. And there were so many different things. They found an endometrioma inside one of my ovaries and all of these fun things. But for me, I really, it was like a weight had been lifted off my shoulders during the process. Still very hard, you know, going through that stress of the window of waiting and, you know, going through the scans and everything. But it was a really interesting thing for me to experience and I wasn't expecting it. That perspective is something I have never thought about, but it makes perfect sense that you would feel like I can't carry this burden anymore, so I'm going to not outsource this because it's very much happening to you, but there are other people that I can now count on to, to that wow that makes perfect sense to me did you allow yourself to have hope when you went in for the for the transfer yeah yep. I mean I tried I tried every woo-woo thing and <laughs> the mother the old wives tales about you meant to eat a pineapple pineapple core have walnuts no brazil nuts your brazil nuts I've heard that one I did everything I had affirmations I really tried to be positive but I have got two very, very close friends that have done 10 rounds of IVF and they only found, they only got their little rainbow baby after 10 rounds. So I was very much going into the first round as a tester, a trial round, which they kept on trying to sort of tell me, you know, you're still figuring out what medication works. I mean, my specialist was hoping for maybe like eight eggs and we got four and then we were left with two embryos. One was Hunter, one's his sibling. And so, you know, it was very much an education purpose and I had to go in thinking this is just a test round. This is just a test round. Let's just see how we go. God, yeah, of course I was really hopeful and I'm putting a bit of pressure on myself now going into this next round in a few weeks because I had such such a successful round that I'm kind of, I don't want to let myself down, but whatever will be, will be. But, um, yeah. So how do you prepare for that? How do you... I can't imagine that because it's so different to the usual, like we're going to try for a baby. It's very much like this is happening. We hope it works. I, I, I guess it's kind of similar to having sex when you're ovulating, isn't it, really? It might stick, it might not. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. So we've done, I've just done an endosurgery. So I've had to go through this whole process. Like my assistant was just so she's like, God, I'm learning so much about this whole process because there's so much to go into, you know, someone wanting to do IVF, someone that's got endo, someone with like a high risk pregnancy or a condition like my blood clotting condition. But yeah, I mean, I'm now on all of my medications for my blood thinning condition. I've been taking all of my prenatals, which is similar to when you're trying to conceive if you're doing that. But it's more about, you know, I'm now thinking about, okay, I've got to go into the city. I live an hour and a half away. I've got to go in and get scans, get blood tests all the time. And then you create these beautiful little embryos. So you can visually see these, you know, five-day-old embryos and then they put it in you and you hope for the best. Like take the emotion out of it, which is so hard to do, but it's incredible what they can do. Watching these tiny little eggs and sperm turn into embryos and then grow and develop. It's just really, it's really fascinating. So what, how is it going to look differently? How will things look different for you second time around? Because we're going into this, I'm believing for you, it's going to work. Embryo is going to, we're all on here. Hunter's going to have a sibling. 
But you are obviously like more experienced now. You, you know, your perspective is different. So going into this, what, how are you going to be, how are you going to treat this differently? Whether it comes to the process, the healthcare, the advocacy, the work, what are kind of one or two of the things that you'll do differently? So I had hyperemesis or HG during my pregnancy. So did I. No, I'm lucky. Look at us. <laughs> the best thing to have. Um, <laughs> So I am oh, no, preparing wait. for that I didn't now. have hyperemesis. I had the, uh, what's it called? Preeclampsia? That's what I had. I didn't know morning <laughs> sickness. Oh, shut up. I had a great pregnancy. Oh, I'm nothing you. like you. <laughs> Mum brain. At- <laughs> Seriously. I was like, wait a second. That's the thing where you have horrendous morning sickness and you have to correct that because you have nothing in common on that. That's the thing that you're vomiting every single day for your entire pregnancy and my best friend has it and I'm like how are you today she's like it's 8 a.m I've vomited 10 times I want to die I'm not enjoying this at all I'm like great great yeah I I think I've really blocked that out of my mind how sick I was but no preeclampsia is incredibly scary so don't discount yourself but yeah so I think I'm sort of preparing for you know I've got a team now I sort of need to I know the medication that sort of helps me survive I guess So I think I'm more about preparing, whereas last pregnancy, I mean, I had never gotten to the 12-week mark before Hunter, so I had no idea what to expect, but now I know what to expect. I mean, the chances of me having HD again is pretty high, so I think I'm preparing a lot more. There is a bit of a weird guilt that I'm going on about being like, but I love Hunter so much, how am I ever going to love another baby? (laughs) I don't understand. I can't answer that for you because I'm like, impossible. I don't know. It's impossible. Like, he is literally the best thing in the entire world. world. Like, he's so cute. How can you have another one that cute? Like, I don't know if it's possible. I, d- I don't know. There's so much pressure on this next child to look like. Most of it from me. I'm, I mean, I'm putting the pressure on because that kid is like unbelievable. <laughs> My last question, I can't believe this has already been half an hour. Is there ever, and it's okay if the answer is yes, do you ever have a feeling resentment towards people who get pregnant easily, have easy pregnancies, get all those things that you envisioned having that were you didn't get? Do you ever have a sense of like, oh, even having hyperemesis on top of everything, it's just like, oh, come on. Absolutely. I mean, you, you know, Talking to you, you know, you fell pregnant relatively easy. You didn't have any morning sickness. I want to stab you. (laughs) Fair, man. (laughs) But at the same time, I was given this journey for some God knows reason. And, yeah, I definitely think that it's fine to feel that resentment. I mean, I just going through the fertility journey that I had, you know, it's such a deep and dark place and that, jealousy of people being able to fall pregnant quite easily it's not a jealousy it's more of like just a, it's such a deep sadness for yourself and I still get triggered by people doing pregnancy announcements and stuff like that it's just I think it's always going to be instilled in me I mean man I was really thinking I was going to have an easy pregnancy well you think the universe can only be so cruel right you would really think but um I mean I've got the most perfect baby in the whole entire world so if that's what I have to do to get him and get another, then it's okay. Well, I can't wait to be blown away when I see your next baby and go, she really could do it again because this one really is as cute. It is possible. 
I know, fingers crossed. I've definitely blocked out a lot of that sickness and <laughs> so maybe you will maybe you'll be the person that just gets HG once and then the next I one know. is like, Oh my god, I feel it so is beautiful. Possible. <laughs> it is <It's> possible. possible. <laughs> I'm putting all the good juju out into the world for you, Thank Kira. You. And you were just gonna be <laughs> one of those women that's just like strolling around looking like a supermodel, being like, I've just never never felt so beautiful. <laughs> love that <laughs> well thank you so much um so much more I wanted to talk about because there is so much to talk about but I was just wonderful having a nice honest chat I think so much of what you spoke about I think a lot of people will definitely hear themselves in your story I think it's really wonderful to hear you. you've obviously kind of done a lot of work and done a lot of reflecting and that's really obvious when I speak to you yeah a lot of therapy too yeah. Therapy is a great and wonderful thing, especially they should be special. You should get therapy like as part of a government thing when you have a baby. Absolutely. 100%. It should be. Because you need it, man. <laughs> like more than yeah, any other time in your life. Yeah. You need it. Like you literally need it. You've got like your Let whole to, brain well, chemistry has completely changed. You're a different person. It should be. Absolutely. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. I'll be cheering you on. Good luck in a couple of weeks. You You are wonderful. Thank you. Keep being a legend and we'll chat again soon. All right. Sounds good. See ya. See you, matey. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.